say good morning to your church. It's good to see all of you, to meet all of you, some strange faces. And uh, it's just awesome to be with you today and to worship in such a way. Treasure your worship. We travel. Treasure your worship. It's amazing. Good, amazing worship leaders. God bless you for that. Thanks, Kirk. Thank you for being obedient to the word of God, to the word, to the voice of the Lord. Now, me and Ina have been around. We've had traveled a little bit this year. And we are just glad that this opportunity came to speak to you today. I must pre-warn you. It's not going to be a, an easy little journey that we are embarking on this morning. Um, those of you who preach will know. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But when I pray, like when I start praying for this meeting, the words came into my mouth. Romans chapter 13 from, from verse 11 to 14. If you read that, we're going to read that just now. Then I start preparing and praying and thinking about that. But then I thought, no, Lord, this is a hectic one. Um, and I, then I start searching for another message, a better message. You know? But in the end, I'm back at this one. And then it's about Wednesday evening. And so Thursday morning, I turn again. Oh, wow, this, no, Lord, this is, no, this is not what you meant. I heard wrong. So I start searching for another message. And, well, in the end, you preach the original one. Do you know what I'm talking about, Ryan? Yeah. It's just our, so it's not just me. Praise the Lord for that. So it is high time. That's the topic, or the title, rather, this morning. When Cicero spoke, people said, how oh, well he spoke. When Demosthenes spoke, people said, let's march. Now, Demosthenes was a great Greek orator from the 3rd century or the 4th century there. And he gave this advice to students concerning public speaking. He said, the first time that you speak, you fill your mouth with marbles. And then you make your speech. He says, and then every time thereafter you give your speech, you put one less marble in your mouth. By the time you lost all your marbles, you will be a good orator. Now, I've lost all my marbles a long time ago, preaching for 30 years, and I'm still not a good orator. And therefore, I rely so much on the Holy Spirit. And I pray that the Spirit will have His way. I pray that the eyes of our understanding will be opened. That you will understand my English. I pray that we will have the wisdom, the spirit of wisdom and revelation concerning the message today, but also concerning our faith in general. What do we believe? And then I pray that he will take the words of a Falkus from Randfontein and blow his life over them so that it means something to each and every one of you. Touch your heart. You know, I've been going to church for 32 years as a born-again believer. 
We hear many messages, but here and there, there's one that's stuck. And I pray this word will stuck in your heart this morning. So let's march into Romans chapter 13 from verse 11 to 14. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time. I think say with me, it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. When reading the letter to the churches, one would think that they have been addressed to the pagans, the heathens, the Gentiles, some of those letters, but actually they were addressed to the churches. And it's something we miss. That when he speaks hard and rough, he's actually speaking to you and me. Not to the heathen outside. They never read the letter anyway. We pray that they will soon, anyway. So, and the receivers of these letters are referred to as saints. Amen? How many of you are saints? Oh, my wife. Well, of course, she's, a, she's also an angel. So it were they were addressed to the saints. He says so. Individuals who received individual letters from other Christian writers, people, uh, those letters are also addressed to the Christians, men and women of good character, of being a good example, not to the world out there. It's to the church. And likewise, this Roman letter, he says so in Romans 1.7 To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Some of you said you're saint. Well, turn you to your neighbor and say, hello, saint. If he or she is a saint. <laughs> Amen. Well, we are Saint John. Saint Harry, Saint Tom, isn't wonderful, special people we are. When someone says to you, awake, that's what our scripture says, he expects change in your behavior. Amen? It's just logical. He wants you to come out of Lala Land and into reality, from a place of rest into a place of action. Now, I've been in the army. I didn't like it. I had to go. The most horrible thing was that 4 o'clock in the morning, the old psalm major would walk in there and he'd shout, Awake! Get up! And he'd done it a few times and then the bugle would blow. You can't sleep anymore. And then he expects of you to wake up, to make your bed, to comb your hair, to brush your teeth, to get everything ready to have breakfast, to shoulder your wife, your wife's your, your, your gun is your wife, 
and be ready for action within about 10 or 15 minutes. Awake. The world in which we live is not the same anymore. Many people and more and more, I speak to pastors and hear what they say. They confirm this. They say we will never be the same again. We have to awake to the situation. Death is no longer far away. Death was always when there was an accident or somebody died of old age. But now it's just, you hear someone, oh, he's in the hospital two days later, he's dead. On Wednesday we went to a memorial. And as they pushed the coffin down the aisle, I thought it could be me in there. And I thought, no, that, that would be bad, but worse if it was my wife. But suddenly death is a reality. It's never been like this. I don't know amongst you. But people are dying all around. We've got friends in India. Praise God, both of the two of them, uh, strong ministries. Praise God, they went through COVID and praise God, they came out. But around them, thousands, 4,000 die per day. Death is no more far away. It's much closer than we think and it's high time to consider our salvation. Amen? Because it is nearer than what we would think. And I don't want to be a prophet of doom. We live in a state of reality. Hard, real things. So we have to be ready. In other words, we must be sure that, as, believe, excuse me, as, be, as believing Christians, that if we would die today, we will be with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It must be that assurance in your heart. It is that assurance that takes away fear for death. I really, honestly, I have no fear of death. I would love to go because I know and I'm just going to be very worried about my wife. There must be nothing that hinders anybody, any believer, to enter the kingdom of God. Amen. Awake therefore. Unto your salvation. The time is nearer than what we think. In all of Paul's letters to the churches and to individuals. There are strong warnings to get rid of sin. Remember now. He speaks to the church. Because sin always separates us from God. And sin will hinder us from entering the kingdom of God. I interrupt myself. This letter is for the church. Please, it's not for the heathen. Isaiah 59 verse 1 says, Behold, Jehovah's hand is not shortened so that it cannot save, nor is here heavy so that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, have come between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, from hearing. Paul and the, and the other preachers reprimands us. They do not want to, to give us a hard time. And they were not negative. They were not prophets of doom. Because when you preach something like this, people easily say, oh, there's no grace, there's no, you're a prophet of doom, man. 
They do not want their readers to feel bad. And as we go on, I don't want you to feel bad. And we do not want to be nobody's spiritual policemen. We each have our own little things, don't we? Many are like the moon, shining side in the front, but the backside all darkness and doesn't want nobody to see that. No, these guys were driven by love and by concern and by the Holy Spirit to write these things in their letters. I don't know if you ever heard of C.T. Studd. He was a great missionary some 50 years ago, I guess. And one day him and a young pastor traveled. And uh, early in the morning, the young pastor woke up and he saw C.T. sitting in the corner of the room in a blanket having a little candle in his hand, reading and paging through his Bible. He said, Mr. Studd, what are you doing? He said to him, I couldn't sleep because I felt I had something wrong in my relationship with the Lord. And so I've been reading through the New Testament to check on His commands to me in case I have been disobedient. Oh. Wow. This spoke, this spoke to my heart. Because I know I'm not an angel yet. I know there's things to be done in my life. In these letters, Paul mentions these sins by name. He calls them out. And again, remember, it's not for the heathens for the church of Jesus Christ. He encourages us to deal with these things. And it's not on easy terms. Because our salvation is at hand. And it is nearer than it was at the beginning. He mentions some, and because, some of these things and because of the urgency of the situation. I'm going to read through some of these verses so that you will hear what's at stake here. So that no one will ever be able to say who attended this meeting, I never knew. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9. And I do this because of the worldliness in the church. Because of the compromise that's been made with sin in these days that we live right now in churches. Because many Christians are lukewarm. That's the urgency of the situation. Apparently in America, scores of Christians are leaving the church. They are backsliding. They are lukewarm. And sin is no longer sin. Sin, it is psychological misbehavior. I must mention all these things to you. Some of them because the list is actually very wrong. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. 
Do not be deceived, says the Word of God. And remember, Paul says, I wrote these things straight from the Holy Spirit. No one influenced me. For 14 years, he was not with Peter and John and those guys. He was on his own with the Holy Spirit. That's where he received the revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So these things is straight out of the heart of God through the Holy Spirit into the pen of Paul. In this case, into the pen of Tertius. Tertius wrote this book, but Paul dictated the book. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicator, nor idolater, nor adulterer, nor abuser, nor homosexual, nor thief, nor covetous, nor drunkard, nor reviler, nor extortioner shall inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5 verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are clearly revealed, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lustfulness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, fightings, jealousies, angers, revelries, divisions, heresies. 21. Envyings, murders, drunkennesses, and things. the kingdom of God it's not one miserable pastor saying these words come straight from the word of God Colossians 3 verse 5 therefore put to death your members which are on the earth fornication uncleanness passion evil desire and covetousness which is idolatry on account of which things sake the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience among whom you also once walked when you lived in these. But now also put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, shameful speech out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, having put off the old man with his deeds. Excuse me a moment. tells us how to deal with the sin. He's definitely not, cha not challenging us to debate these things. Is that really what God said? Don't you think it's, you, we must see it in either angle? This is hard. It's not to be made acceptable to God. Oh, Pastor, God knows my heart. Bible says he knows your heart. It's desperately wicked. Or by giving sin another name. Make it sound better. He tells us to cast it off. To put it off. To put to death. To kill it. That's the words. To walk properly from our own words, not in revelry or drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife or envy. And he instructs us to pursue holiness and peace without which no one will see the kingdom of God. So let us walk bravely the old path of truth, of holiness, of righteousness. Let us not be scared to be a holier than thou. In Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Somebody said the church that is married to the spirit of the age will find itself a widow in the next generation. That shocked me. And the church's business is not to catch the spirit of the age, but to correct it. One reason sin flourishes is that it's treated like a cream puff and not like a rattlesnake. But with the reprimanding comes the encouragement. There's always hope in Christ. Amen. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Set your mind on things above and not on things which are on the earth. Colossians 3 verse 1. 314. And above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Remembering this, Psalm 103 tells us that God is slow to be angered and quick to forgive. Remembering 1 John 1 from verse 7 to 9. Confess your sins. He is true and just and will forgive you all of your sins. So I always see the scripture. I've got some bad thing in my life. Maybe I've done a little bad thing. And I confess the thing that I know. But I also know, because I'm a senior citizen, that there are many things hidden. And he tells me he will forgive all things. Amen. And that's the God that we serve. Please remember, the messages of Paul for churches are to the saints, to the good people, when he wrote, and other writers when they wrote, to the individuals, good people, excellent Christians. But they receive these warnings. I think here's a bunch of excellent Christians, but I'm giving you a warning this morning. Don't fool around with God. Don't fool around with God. He's a holy God. Amen. He's supreme. Sovereign ruler of the universe. You know, with this whole COVID thing, I've got peace in my heart. Because people say it's the devil. Well, maybe he did that, but with permission from the Holy One. Amen. God was never caught by surprise with all of these things. He knew because he's God. He knew it before even Satan came to him. And that to me is massive consolation. The supremacy of God. Amen. What happens, it's out of our, our hands. It is well with my soul. I can live in these things, uncomfortable as they are. Because He is in control. Amen. The second thing, I, I got a very short sermon this morning. The second thing God is talking to me about is that it's also high time that we wake up to the harvest. Simply because of the size of the harvest. And there are so many people who do not know Jesus yet. And what's more shocking is so many people leaving the faith. They never knew Jesus. 
If they only had an opportunity in their churches to meet with Christ like in this place, so much better. In Genesis, God reveals Himself. He says, my name is I am. And then in the New Testament, we see how John reveals Christ as I am. And Christ, Jesus says a lot of things about himself. I am the life, the way, and the truth. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the living water, the life-giving bread, the door into the kingdom of God. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. I am the beginning and the end. I am the light of the world. And there's still some others to come. But of all these things I've just read to you, He entrusted one unto us. You are the light of the world. He did not say you are the, 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 the bread. You are the door. You are the way, the life, and the truth. You are the light of the world. He did not commission us to be anything else. How many of you have heard about Robert Louis Stevenson? He's way before your time. One day, well, he was a great writer. You will remember him. <laughs> Treasure Island. <laughs> Treasure Island. He wrote Treasure Island. But one day he was sitting at the window as a little boy. And in those days, the street lamps had kerosene inside. And the guy came and climbed up the letter, put a fire, put a match to the kerosene up. And, and he says, Mama, Mama, come look. This man is punching holes in the darkness. And that's exactly what you and I are created for. That we have received this commission to be the light. is to punch holes in the darkness. And the more holes we can punch in the darkness, the more light there will be. Amen. Because darkness always flees the light. Light overcomes darkness. So we've all been given a special duty. But just one thing, I wrote it down here. The Lord didn't say, let your light so twinkle. He said, let it shine. Amen. I think in my spirit, myself included, we have to become more vocal. Is boisterous an ugly word? Is it a good word to use? Boisterous. I don't know. You know what I mean? Huh? Bold. We have to courageous, vocal, loud. Not twinkle, twinkle. It's a war. That vibe, says your pastor. We all have a special task to fulfill. Not of all of us want to travel to India and stay there for three months with a suitcase. Not all can be apostles or prophets or evangelists or preachers or missionaries. But there are so many other areas where you can be involved in. To punch holes in the darkness. Like handing out tracts for, for one. That's old fashioned, they say. I don't think so. People are still going to read a piece of paper. We had an outreach in... Kimberly once in front of egg, egg, no, in front of checkers. 
the band was there and some of the young men who could preach I would put them on to preach short messages you know and people and in on them and the youth were handing out tracks one young black lady came and she took a track from Ina. That afternoon she phoned Ina. Ina's my wife, if you don't know. And um, she gave her heart to the Lord over the telephone because of the track. And she went back to the, where she's staying by taxi. And they planted a church there a few years later. And that church is still going under the leadership of, of uh, um, Ewald and Andri Stein. You can pray for them. They live there to shine the light. Amen. Many other things that we can do. One day, uh, we were invited for a lunch at the schools, rugby, don't know what, my boys played rugby. And everybody knew us as being pastors, you know, and there was a lot of rough guys, I must be honest. And uh, we were sitting at a table, and there was some open spaces, and people just looked at us and then find a place, you know, another place. And so eventually it was full and Andre and his wife Dolphy came and he was the real rough guy. Oh my goodness. And there was no place for them. So except at our table. And so they came and they sat at our table. And I invited them to Sunday lunch after church. We have a love feast. They didn't know what a love feast was. I said, we have a lunch at church. But just come Andre, you and Dolphy, and be our guests. Come enjoy. We start with the lunch at about 12 o'clock. The meeting will, they will be a church meeting at nine. And so they went home. They said, now what shall we do? We promised that they, we will come. But we can't just go to lunch. We'll have to attend church as well. <laughs> and so they attended the church. And I could see Spirit is working in this rough guy's life. I made an appointment to come see him later in the week and shared the gospel with him. Him and his wife committed their lives to the Lord. But now one thing, he heard his arm the Monday or Tuesday terribly bad I think it was broken or something and he was sitting there he couldn't move and when we said goodbye he got up and he walked with us God healed him right there from this very severe thing that he had in his shoulder and he became one of the strong guys the vocal guys <laughs> unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the sake of salvation of others In uh, Malaysia, the full gospel businessmen, so, uh, it's, a, it's a very lively organization. They meet over lunchtime and when we're there, we, pre we preach every, every day of the week in a different place. And, uh, but the speakers normally must come from a hotel or airport or wherever. And there's a department, the donkey department. And those donkeys are men. We go to the airport and fetch a guy and bring him to the meeting or vice from the hotel or wherever to bring them to the meetings. Donkeys. And some of those donkeys were very successful, big businessmen. But they fulfilled the function. And God will show you what your function in the church is. It is to get people by hook or by crook to a place where they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Andrew brought people to Peter. I think Peter brought them to Jesus. It's also high time that we get freshly empowered by the Spirit for the harvest. 
Oh, I think you had a good Pentecostal weekend. Just feel it in my spirit, stirring up the things of the Holy Spirit. Jesus insisted that his disciples should not go to the harvest until they were properly equipped. In Luke 49, 24 verse 49, he says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from on heaven. I believe that every believer must have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I also believe that Ephesians 5.18 is true, that we should be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. Not to become drunk of wine. That's what the verse says. Being full of the Spirit means many, many things. But just a few things that always stand out for me is the ability to pray agonizing prayers. The more of the Spirit, the more I can moan before God for the lost souls. You will be willing to go through deep repentance. If the Holy Spirit is there, it will drive you to look at your heart concerning these verses that we've read of the condition of some, some people in the churches. And we will pray and do deep repentance and get rid of those things and be like a city stat examining self in the light of the Word of God. And of course, you will have the power to witness. When I was first filled with the Holy Spirit, I was a pain to people. And my wife was very upset sometimes. Just to confront a stranger and say, Sorry, sir, are you saved? No, what do you mean? If you die today, have you come to that place in your spiritual life where you know for sure you will go to heaven if you die? No? Well, can we talk about this? It gives us strength to witness. You see some people, all the Pentecostals think the baptism of the Holy Spirit was singly to preach, to talk in tongues, to speak in tongues. It's not what John, not, Acts 1 verse 8 says. You shall receive power. Power to be my witnesses. I love speaking in tongues. I want to say like Paul, I speak more in tongues than all of you. It's not the issue. But the power of the Spirit is to make known the glory and the love of God to the sinner. Amen. Come hook or come by crook. I love that. Boisterous. Amen. So how can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? Just a few points. We must ask in faith. He says, Luke 11, 9, And I say to you, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, being evil, how, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Faith. We must receive by faith. Luke eleven ten. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. We must speak in faith. Acts two four. And they were all filled of the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
These are normal Christian things. They do not, it's not just the Pentecostal church. It's the way of Christian life. It's the full gospel of Jesus Christ. And we must also know that this is a repeating occurrence. It's not once felt, always felt. You can drain. You can hurt. You can lose your joy. So many things. It needs constantly. We need to ask Holy Spirit to fill us, Lord, so that we can be worthy, active instruments in your hands. And for those who doubt that, you just turn the page away from Acts chapter 1 and 2, where you see how Peter preached the gospel, and then they healed some a blind, a, a, a crippled man at the door at the gate called Beautiful. And then they were in trouble. You must stop preaching in the name of this Jesus, they said. You cannot go on with this. Stop it immediately. And they went back and reported everything. And the church then, they prayed to the Lord. They said, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant to your servants that with all boldness, boldness, they may speak the word by stretching forth your hand. For healing and miracles and wonders may be done by the name of your holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. And they were all, same guys that were in the upper room, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with gladness. Do not leave this place unless you've been filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, because you're supposed to be the light of the world, and light needs oil to burn. Amen. And you are the vessel. Be filled with the Spirit of the living God. So precious family, I shared shortly two things that very heavy on my heart, especially the first part that we've read, that the church... It's been addressed by Paul in his letters. We must know that because we are the church. The thing is truly very, very heavy on my heart. And I pray that it was simple enough that everyone could understand. And then the second thing, that it is also high time to awake and be empowered for the harvest. There's one worker for every 80,000 people. There's a lot of work to be done. Let us work while it's still day, for the night cometh that no man can work. Our salvation is closer and nearer than what we would think. It is high time we consider these things again. It's nothing new to you, I know. But it's for repetition, repetition, repetition. And these things will become part of our armor. We can know how to use our armor. In my BC days, I did a little karate. I wasn't good at it. And I went for a month and all we did was we stood there and he, he gave us instruction to do this. Each knee, 
And it went on for the whole hour. And the next week I came again, you know. But I was so stiff. And then again, same thing. Hitch, knee, sanchi. You know, block, blow, block, punch. After about a month, I, I, I don't want to be nasty with this. This guy is a fourth done or something, you know. I must behave myself. So I went in all humility to him. I said, sir, we've been doing this thing for a month now. I'm paying a lot of money. When are we going to learn karate? And the next thing he threw a punch of me and I blocked it without thinking. We must know the word of God. And when the devil comes with any idea, we can block him and counterpunch him. Amen. God bless you. Come let us stand.